did you kick it off? <laughs> well, I'm too busy trying to clip this uh, microphone to my ABC lanyard, <laughs> which I'm wearing proudly, despite reports that ABC employees are hiding their yeah, passes on. Well, we're fairly recognisable, so if anyone wants to hurl abuse in the streets... I'm just being roundly ignored like I always am. Pretty so, much me too. Yeah. So it's all good. I think one of the things that really helps me is the contrast between you know, what I call the sort of before and after of professional makeup, because I look like such a slob before actual <laughs> professionals get their hands on me that I think I truly am basically unrecognisable. Oh, that is brilliant. Yeah, yeah you, I must good. say, you're looking pretty rough today. <laughs> Whereas your hair, unfortunately, is so distinctive that, you know, yeah, I don't know. I'm reminded of the time that you and I once um, were looking, because we like sticky beaking at houses that are for sale in your area, and, That's right. into one, and a woman went, oh my God, Annabelle Crabb, I love you. I really like your style. It's different. And it was We were in a toilet at the time, right? Like, it was like looking at this house, and I'm like, oh, thank you. And then she's gone, you know, it's different. It was all I could do to not go, well, different is nice, but it sure isn't pretty. Pretty is what it's about. I never met anyone who was different who couldn't figure that out. <laughs> The hilarious thing, as I recall, was then she turned around and gave you the blankest stare I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm thinking, lady, there's someone ten times more famous than me that's also in this toilet that you are not picking up. Songs, professional hair and makeup, uh, I reckon, completely unrecognised. Did we just laugh for about two hours after that? I think oh, I nearly God. wet myself, like I nearly needed the toilet. The other thing she that, was great. The thing that gets me is... I say she was great because she liked me. <laughs> you? <laughs> not so much. There must be people also when we show up at things like that who think, what's going on there? Are they like moving in together or why are they looking at property to buy? <laughs> we should have bought that house, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I know. Oh, jeez. It only cost me, you know, $3 million and now it's worth eight. <laughs> Sydney property market. Now, I think it's very cruel. Oh, that this conversation is getting boring already. I know. Already into property. Two minutes in. Yeah. Um, now, I think it's very cruel that we're sitting here with a cup of tea and you have a Tupperware container yeah. that you have not yet opened. I do. It's In fact, it's got a number of things in it. Oh, awesome. That's a beautiful little Tupperware container. I know. Do you know what? So I did um, a talk for somebody's organisation the other day um, and, you know, you always get a little present when you go and do a talk for somebody mm. and the present that I got this time was one of the best ever, mm. um, a nest of sort of antique vintage style oh, um, cake tins, but they fit in... Um, inside each other so they store they're beautiful different patterns on each one plus they've got sort of plastic lids so they do seal oh great so you get all the beauty without the kind of thing that happens with vintage cake tins which is that you arrive and your meringue's all soft or whatever oh okay. so oh is this one of them? This is one of them. This oh, is the smallest gorgeous. one. It's lovely. It's so for people, it's it's uh, got little ladybugs all over it sitting on leaves. It's yeah. the most cute little design. It's very cute. And what is this that we have inside? Uh, well, I've brought a few little items You've for you. you yourself. Well, I baked some um, cornflake biscuits for uh, a friend of ours who's in hospital just at the minute. And um, they are... Um, this friend quite likes mandarin, so I've made um, cornflake biscuits with mandarin zest in them and chocolate chips. Awesome. Just getting one of them out. Yes. In fact, I'm just going to hop right into that. Into that. Yep. Yeah. And then I've also um, made what is, I think, currently my favourite cake of all, which is the, I think I made it for you before, which is a sticky double ginger gingerbread, like an old-fashioned gingerbread mm -hmm. that's like cakey with a little lemon icing. You have made that before, but I'm very happy to have it again. And yep. this is the cornflake biscuit 
absolutely delicious. See, the mandarin, mm. you know, the mandarin zest, I mean, once you start me on this, I will go on and on, but, like, it, do not overlook the zest on a mandarin because it's delicious. Mm. Remember when we, at the first episode we ever filmed of Kitchen Cabinet, I took a mandarin um, creme brulee round to Penny Wong's house, and there's just something about the zest of mandarin that's kind of floral but mm. still citrusy. My mm. gosh, it's so good. It's um, very subtle too, and it offs that dark chocolate chip offsets it beautifully. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then the final is... A slice. What sort of slice? Uh, it's a ginger and lemon and almond slice. It's one of those no-bake refrigerator deals. Mm. It's a Maggie Beer recipe that I found because I had all these really nice dried apricots mm, and yeah. I found a um, packet of ginger nuts during a pantry kind of clean-out. Uh, so they may be a year old, but I think that ginger nuts don't go off. Just letting you know. Yeah. No, it's um, absolutely delicious. Mm, yeah. I love a non-bake slice. Yeah. This one doesn't have the condensed milk in it either. It's, mm -hmm. um, well, it's, it's pretty much just butter and ginger nuts. a fair bit of sugar in there. Oh, look, there may be a tiny bit of sugar in there, yeah. Um, you just keep talking while I keep... Mm. So anyway, look, they are some odds and sods that I have um, been working on recent days. Fantastic. And I thought I'd bring some since I had a lovely container. Lovely of you, love. Okay, now I'm going to have one of these um, and you can talk. Okay, so I've been doing just a little bit of cooking too. Uh, I made a slice as well, which was from the Country Show cookbook. Mm. The base was crushed Kit Kats, oh. which were very nice, um, which I also dropped up to our friend in hospital. Um, <laughs> she's going to be leaving yeah, hospital she's like, put on 10 kilos. Oh, no. <laughs> um, crushed Kit Kats. With oh, that or she'll just put them all under the bed. <laughs> yeah. Crushed Kit Kats with, um, you know, sort of butter, melted butter to just hold it together and then stick it in the fridge. And then mm -hmm. the topping was basically just a standard baked cheesecake and then a bit of coffee and cho melted chocolate drizzle over the top. Oh, nice. Nice. So, when you bake a sort of crushed Kit Kat base, mm. well, how does the chocolate hold up? Well, it ended up, you couldn't really taste it too much. Like, it didn't taste Kit Kat-y. Like, it lost that texture of a Kit Kat. Mm. Um, and it sort of became quite sticky and gooey mm, okay. with the texture of it. So... How many Kit Kats had to die for that? Six Kit Kats had to die for that. Wow. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> and then I also made, um, once again, out of your boyfriend's book, Jerusalem, which mm. I'm methodically working through, that dude needs to pay us commission. He's in oh. like every single podcast. Oh. Uh, cardamom rice pudding with a rose water syrup. Oh, God, yum. Yeah, it was very yummy. Perhaps not as yummy as it sounded, but it was still extremely yummy. So it was, uh, you infuse some milk and double cream with a vanilla bean mm. and some cardamom mm -hmm. pods mm -hmm. and then leave it overnight. And then you basically um, do, you know, the same method as you'd use a, do a risotto, arborio rice in it. Right. Give it a bit of a stir around and um, when the once the rice is cooked, you know, about 20 minutes worth, you add in some condensed milk and some honey and I can't remember what else. Anyway, and then you serve it with um, roasted crushed pistachios sprinkled mm. on top. Yum. And then the recipe called for, but I couldn't find any. Edible rose petals. Do you have any of those? Hey, you know what? Um, I... Uh, in the cookbook that my friend Wendy and I have written... Um, there is a cake where she prescribes the scattering of edible rose petals um, all over this cake. Mm -hmm. God, it's a it's a pretty good cake. You don't like this cake. Um, I'm going to make it for you at some point. But um, 
so it's topped with sort of all this whipped cream and then a sprinkling of um, uh, um, pomegranate seeds mm. and um, and edible rose petals. Mm, and she had a little bag that she brought along to the when we shot this pictures for this thing. Um, but I'm not sure quite where she got them. But I was mm. just thinking the other day, I need to lay my hands on some of those. Mm. So. If I find some, I'll get an extra... Yes, or we'll just go halves in. Because I presume you'd use such a small amount, you'd probably have to buy a big bag. Your thrift is admirable. <laughs> I might just get you your own packet, hey? <laughs> wow, big spender. Um, I am coming over your place in a couple of days for roast pork too, and I thought I might do a salad with, like, matchstick chopped green apples. Oh, yeah. Because you know that's what I'll be eating. So put extra, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. as a non-pork eater who lives with a person who is a keen pork eater <laughs> and children who are keen pork eaters, I'm like, great, I'll enjoy that garnish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's so right. put you back into that salad, lady. <laughs> yeah, it's a like green apple, maybe snow peas, red cabbage, walnuts. What else could I chuck Oh, my maybe? God. That'll go good with a little pork. Oh, perfect. It reminds me of actually one of my favourite cookbooks right now mm-hmm. is a cookbook called Community. Mm -hmm. And it is published by the people who run this hilarious um, outfit in Surrey Hills called the Arthur Street Kitchen, um, where they make a, I think they make like a salad a day and then they deliver it to you on a bike. So you can only really eat from there if you live in a bikeable distance. (laughs) But I mean, I I must say have never had the salads made by the Arthur Street Kitchen. Mm -hmm. I did deploy, um, you know, 35 bucks or whatever on the cookbook and have just never regretted that Mm. spending because it's just, uh, look, I mean... All salads? All salads. But they do kind of incredibly delicious things with... They're very good on the brassicas, so there's lots of really, really good kind of cauliflower, broccoli Mm. sort of things. And there's this, you know, spot of kale, as you'd expect. But um, one of the the recipe there that I go back to again and again is this sort of um, Asian-style coleslaw, which has got matchsticks chopped um, kohlrabi and uh, green apple. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. With a sort of fish saucy type Ooh, dressing yum. instead of a creamy one. Mm, that sounds very it's, delicious. It's super, super good. Now, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast before because like, we're going to clearly, we're going to hit a point where we've talked about everything we could possibly ever talk about and then we're going to start repeating our anecdotes. And this could be I'm, I'm sure now. that's already happening. That sure maybe that. Um, have we talked about why do certain types of greens come in and out of vogue? Like, why all of a sudden did kale become big? And why is iceberg lettuce, which is just the prince of lettuces, so crisp and yummy and, and refreshing? Why is that sort of not very cool? I disagree on the iceberg. I think the iceberg is cool. back. It is. I think iceberg is back. And, in fact, um, I have one in my fridge right now, and I didn't a few years ago. So um, not that I'm suggesting I'm the arbiter, arbiter of cool, but I've had a few, um, you know, kind of like pub meals that have been really good chopped iceberg. Right. There's one I had recently that was like a, that I've emulated several times at home because it's so great, um, which is just like shredded iceberg with hot smoked salmon and oh, yeah. um, a mayonnaise sort of dressing. And I, 
um, you can actually make a really good coleslaw dressing that's not quite as oily by um, using sort of um, Greek yogurt instead of Ooh. instead of um, you know all mayo or sour cream or whatever. You actually get a lighter dressing that still tastes really great. Um, not so, that I would advocate diet tips. I just like <laughs> so I, I you know my consumption of butter, which is about a kilo and a half a week. I'm not joking. Um, I think that's about what I've eaten. <laughs> yeah, right just now, right now. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. So is it um, rocket that's on the way out then? Maybe yeah. rocket's not great anymore. I remember you used to, every time you'd go somewhere, you'd order a sandwich and then it'd be, the plate would come with a side of rocket. What about, the, what about the cos lettuce? Where's that these days? I know. Yeah. So this is my point. So yeah. why all of a sudden does big kale become powerful? Lettuce is just hugely, uh, hugely subject to trends, I think. Right. Because, I mean, but who decides, maybe you just... Like, who's meeting in some room going somewhere, going, you know big, what, we're going to push kale. It's big leaf. Kale, kale, kale. Big leaf. Well, because you have to have crazes with lettuce, otherwise people would not buy it, you know, because they're just like, oh, God, just may, I'd rather have chips, to be honest. <laughs> um, which would be my chips policy. Yes. Yeah. Although you can make kale chips, of course, which is crossing the streams. But um, but it's sort of like the fashion industry, right? Mm. It, there's a direct commercial imperative for fashions to change quickly. Otherwise, we'd just buy a pair of high-waisted jeans or a pair of flares and be happy with them forever. Yeah. You know, the fashion industry is based uh, commercially on... Um, the concept that things will go out of fashion mm. because otherwise why would you I mean if you were just trying to keep warm That's you'd true. just you know buy yourself a boiler suit and do you pay any attention it. to contemporary fashion <sighs> look it's hard to uh, for me to demonstrate any commitment that I have to contemporary fashion beyond like <laughs> because I'm a bit stuck in um, the I mean, the fashion that I admire doesn't tend to really change that much. Mm. I mean, I will see, I buy, you know, I, I very rarely go into a shop, but um, sometimes I buy things online that I, you know, that I know I like, that I know will fit me. Um, yeah. And they are kind of unchanging, I must say, which makes me a loser, I know. Um, <laughs> but I've got this sort of horror of, particularly if you get your photo taken a bit, I just, I just never want to be, again, because I have already, already been in the past, um, the person who's got the spiral perm and the kind of, you know, you look right. back at it and you just go, dear God, <laughs> I look like a lunatic. At least I'm just the idiot wearing the 50s dress, you know, all the time. And when I look back, you know, in 20 years' time, I'm still kind of doing that. I just think, hey, I looked great. I continue to look great. Also, that look really suits you and you do look great. So why tamper with that would be my tip. I got poured into, I, went, I did some photo shoot thing where I got put into something rather and I looked at it and just went, I can see that this is a great outfit, it's very fashion forward, it's kind of, you know, but I'm just going to look at that picture and think. Is that the one that we did together? No, it was a different one. Um, because the one, we recently did a photo shoot together and the look of it was quite sexy <laughs> and while I thought, you know, both you and I looked nice, I would not say that our natural look is I looked like sexy. an idiot. You looked good. So we looked sort of like you know when people like dress up their dogs for Halloween or something there was a bit of that that I found my place at the very edge of that photograph and lurked there I, in fact I kind of um 
Yeah, I was a bit disappointed. Yeah. Wanting to disappear. Oh, yeah. my God. Sexy's not my natural look. I think my natural oh, look Oh, come is, on, love. You're natural, a bit of all right. My natural look is I can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> I went yesterday to do an interview with somebody and it was in a, the headquarters of a big corporate um, organisation and the girl who worked there who came to get us was dressed in a look that I would call sexy corporate, which was she had long, really immaculate blonde hair, glasses, really nice makeup, tight skinny black pants like she looked really expensively dressed extremely high heels and then a white blouse with collar done up like there was no skin showing or anything and then a black blazer over the top and it was funny because I sort of looked at her and thought the reason that's the reason I asked about contemporary fashion because I looked at her and I looked at what I was wearing and I thought (laughs) so you look like you know, businessy but contemporary and stylish, mm. and I look, you know, looking at my just unfitted pants and you know that could have come from 1980 or 1990 or 2005 or like, <laughs> you know, um, and whatever I can't even remember what I was wearing. Were they a pleat front? They were. They had a line down the front. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, yeah, that's what I would look like if I paid any attention. I wish that's what I'd look like if I paid, <laughs> but I don't. But nonetheless. I am interested in I really enjoy reading about mm. fashion like I loved Grace Coddington's book about her career she's the um, artistic director at Vogue and she wrote a book um, but the title which escapes me it's quite cool to write books if you're in the fashion industry at the moment isn't it yeah. they're like all those documentaries about designers oh, so yeah. interesting yeah um, you're right I across going, that I love going to that and I really mm. appreciate looking at beautiful clothes I really enjoy like there was a Valentino exhibition in Brisbane a few years ago that I went to and I really enjoyed it I interviewed um, Jean Paul, Paul Galliano last mm. year, and I loved going to that exhibition. I really appreciate that stuff as art, but I'm not very good at putting it together on myself, and I can't really be bothered. Let's go to yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry, what yeah. did I say? Galliano, oh, yeah, a, a, a sort of yeah. composite creature. Yeah. That would be a good person to meet. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, John Galliano, I think, is a genius. Yeah, he's like, amazing. His clothes are phenomenal. It's a shame about the anti-Semitism. Well, you know. <laughs> hey, now, um, I did something exciting last week, which was I saw a movie. The second get movie out. I've seen this year. Because I never get to go to movies. I went to Inside Out. Because you'd seen it because you interviewed Amy Poehler. Now, lots of yeah. people on Twitter said, we want the gossip about interviewing Amy Poehler. Well, look, it was sort of one of those instances where, you know, you're you're interviewing, interviewing somebody, but you're also a huge fan of theirs. And I think that in my brain, you know, we would have just, you know, hit it off and then just skived off down the pub for a few beers, you know, abandoning the rest of her, as it turned out, mm-hmm. massively demanding publicity schedule. <laughs> you know what those things, uh, how those things work. Like you, you're set up in a hotel room. I mean, it's like a sort of the cheapest blowjob ever, in a way. <laughs> Do go on. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, obviously, yeah. But I mean, you sort of wait in the hotel room, and the star is sort of brought in, you know, by a sort of phalanx of, uh, of uh, accompanying advisors or handlers or whatever, and you, and gets plopped into the seat, and you've got like twelve minutes or something. So, um, so it was marvelous. Uh, 
but also at the same time frustrating. Mm. Mm. It's very hard to build rapport with anybody in that. And particularly since I just wanted, you know, can, can we just hold each other? Would that be great? And she'd be like, yeah, great, crazy lady that I'm never going to see again. It's so nice when you do occasionally have one where you make a connection because more often than not, they're really tired and cranky and you're there 85th thing to I know. And, and you're trying to think of something original to ask yeah, them, but so failing. Yeah. I know. I had a really nice one with Guy Pearce um, a few years ago, who I think is the world's most massive babe. And um, and I was, you know, I remember when, when I was in high school, I was, you know, everyone was, was watching Neighbours and they all loved Jason Donovan and I oh, loved Guy you were Pearce. Guy Pearce. And I just feel like, yeah, suck it, ladies. I was right. I was the right one. <laughs> anyway, he in reading the preparatory material, it was clear that sometimes in interviews he, you know, doesn't really play ball very well. Yeah, right. Sometimes he does. So I was a little nervous thinking, oh, I hope he's not going to be horrible. Anyway, he was just absolutely delightful and he was so nice and he hung around at the end and we just yapped on like a couple of old grannies for another hour after the interview. Oh my gosh, so you're pals. You had no, that. I didn't you, touch that. No. <laughs> no, but we got Just on call her, okay, guys. She's becoming unreal. Un- <laughs> uh, what am I talking about? This entire exchange is going to be edited out by Brendan anyway. What? That's right. Hot guy? <laughs> Cut to length. <laughs> um, no, he was really lovely. Anyway, sorry, back to um, Inside Out. So yeah. What did you think of it? Well, I liked it a lot. And I was I took the precaution of taking three eight-year-old girls along with me, mm-hmm. all of whom gave it very strong store, um, scores. Look, mainly I think because I'm, I've got an eight-year-old daughter, I'm always hyper, you know, um, I don't know, I'm just attentive to the messages that come from movies and stuff like that, just because there's so much crap around, you know, these, you know, there must be about a thousand Barbie movies in existence, all of which involve these terrible, you know, ugh, it's just the worst pap possible, and it's so blanket available. Um, and, you know, I am not a kind of a nanny stater to any extent, but I, it does really shit me when most of the stuff available for girls of that age is all about, you know, being a marvellous princess and, Mm. you know, blah. Um, So, and the Cinderella movie that came out recently, which my daughter um, was not allowed to go and see because of her mother's rage about it. You know that one where they, I don't know if you read about this controversy, but um, the actress who was playing Cinderella um, had to be, she had to starve herself and lose all this weight and then was laced into this incredible corset so that her waist would look, you know, unfeasibly tiny like it does in the animated version, right? And so, and she did this interview where she sort of said, oh, yeah, I didn't get to eat for months. And also I had to wear this, I think something happened to my insides. Like she was just, and I thought, oh, my God, you've actually physically tortured this woman to make her, you know, to make her look a way that will cause other girls to watch it and then Mm. torture themselves. I just, oh, my God, it just drives me crazy. So the thing that I liked about um, about Inside Out was really that it, um, it was a really imaginative way of talking to young girls, I think. So the storyline is that the action is set inside the head of an 11 or 12-year-old girl, and she's moving house. Um, and in her brain, there's this kind of, like, control board that is um, where the kind of controls are basically squabbled over by five different emotions. Um, and the one that's most usually in charge is joy, and that's Amy Poehler's character. But there's also uh, fear, uh, disgust, 
anger and sadness. Um, and the adventure comes when, you know, and they, and they kind of, their job is to file memories and to play things when she dreams and to basically keep her running along. And the action happens when joy and sadness get sort of somehow ejected to a far corner of the girl's brain and so the other ones are in control and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They've got to find their way back to the control tower or whatever. And the thing that I liked about it was that it kind of explained that sadness isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it can be really useful because when, mm. if you're not ever sad, then people don't know when you need help. It was just a good way of explaining that stuff. Mm, yeah, that, I agree. I thought that was quite um, clever. There were little moments in that film too that I really enjoyed. It was quite I know exactly the one that you will have enjoyed. Come on. <laughs> it's quite, quite inventive. Oh, they're talking about how certain memories from childhood, um, for whatever reason, stick around in your brain right through your life and other memories disappear. And so they had this thing in the film where all the memories are represented by these big coloured marbles. And so there were these guys who were like garbage men and they were going through and deciding which to pull out. And they get to the section of the 11-year-old's brain and they're like, what about all these piano lessons? Oh, look, I don't know. Is that ever going to come in handy? Look, keep heart and soul and chopsticks and turf the rest. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a couple of great How unusual like that that would have appealed to you. Um, and it was, um, you know, nostalgia as a, um, a feeling, you know, is such a great feeling mm. because it's both happy and sad you know, yeah. at the same time. And so I love movies. I cried a lot. Happens. Yeah, I didn't. I teared up quite a lot, but I wasn't fully. Yeah, but you're a monster. <laughs> I don't even like birds. You don't even like birds. Um, oh my god! There's a moment where. How could you not cry with Mr. Snuffles or whatever? You know the oh, imaginary. Come on! That oh my so god! Apparently, trying to make you cry. I was just. He was sort of annoying. He was, I was Jar Jar Binks of that. I one. I haven't cried that much since my girl. <laughs> Um, hold that thought about crying in kids films I just wanted to say the film that I the, as far as animated Pixar kids films goes that I just thought it was just the perfect film was Toy Story so if I say Toy Story is a 10 out of 10 I would have said this was about a 7 out of 10 right okay yeah. All right. Toy Story yeah I like Toy Story um, the, I thought Toy Story was absolutely <laughs> um, the film the kids film that I've cried the most in and I had to actually stop the, watching the film I was watching it DVD at home is Up Oh, oh god, that's I, I, yeah, yeah. You can't watch that. <laughs> I started watching it with Brendan, and he said, "If you're not crying by three minutes thirty in, yeah, I think we're going to have to separate the hard stuff show is that you the... are a robot." <laughs> and did you cry? Oh, I was. <laughs> oh, thank God! Weeping. You killed all the fairy rounds out there for you, yeah. yeah. Um, I had to be escorted from a cinema by my mother, who had taken to me to see Bambi when I was little, and I just. It was like a psychotic episode. I was so I couldn't I couldn't I had to get out of there. But when the when the mum cops it, I mean nobody warned me about that. I thought it was gonna be an adorable skippy story about this lovely little deer. I had no idea that the mother was gonna be murdered. Like it was just what? I mean I couldn't I mean ring of bright water, um, old yeller, I mean any oh right. whoa, I can't, can't deal any with any Was the littlest hobo on T V at Channel Seven in Adelaide when you were a youngster? Uh, yes it was. I guess so that was <laughs> was a show that I did not like because I used to, it's so sad every week when I know. the dog leaves. I'd be like, why just stay? Don't go, doggy. Like, just stay with this nice family. You don't need to get back on the road and be alone and starving again. I also needed serious counselling when I was a kid when I read inadvertently. I mean, it was just my um, grandmother is um, quite uh, a Paul Gallico fan. So lots Paul of Paul, oh, he's an um, English writer. Um, 
he's a sort of like a Maupassant style kind of lovely, perfectly formed human stories that are very touching. Um, but the one that I read of his that I particularly remember because it made me nearly check myself into some sort of emotion <laughs> management facility was called Jenny. Yeah. And it's about, oh my God, I can't even talk about it. It's about a boy who swaps bodies with a cat. I know. But like, so he becomes this cat uh, and then he meets another cat called Jenny. And oh, look, <laughs> I can't, I can't actually explain it. I will actually sob. Well, like, there's just, you know, he has all these adventures and he falls in love with Jenny and then... Does he have to go back to being a boy? He has to say goodbye to Jenny and it's just... Does Jenny die or anything? Do you know what? I actually, I just remember, all I can remember is when I got to the end, actually sobbing in a sort of ugly crying way. Not just a sort of, you know, brushing tears away, but actually just... Like that. That's what I was doing. It was now. just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just like I couldn't be consoled. Oh yeah, my I god. That, I can't think of any books off the top of my head where I've done that. But that it, I, I have periodically yeah. done that. And sometimes you're thinking, why am I keeping reading this? So I'm just weeping and weeping. But anyway, yeah. it's sort of bizarrely enjoyable. <sighs> um, <coughs> we're totally off the track here, aren't we? What are, what I love we? how we've made a list for this week, and I don't. I think we've ticked one thing off, which yeah. is inside out. Um, the other funny thing I had to do this week was um, be a guest host on Double J which hasn't gone <laughs> Have you ever done anything like Triple J, Double J? Um, I went and did an interview uh, on Double J um, where I had to kind of bring some recommendations. You yeah, know. that's what I yeah. had to do. Mm. And as you know my musical taste runs the full gamut <laughs> from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers through to... Like, Lady, you're on the wrong network. <laughs> So it was really hard. I had to find 20 songs. Really 20? Hard. Yeah. And oh. just scraped every last. I couldn't actually get to 20. I didn't know 20 cool songs to suggest. So I Did you feel like you had to come up with cool songs? Well, it's Double J, yeah, I did. Did, was, you, did, you, did you say any that you don't actually like? Well, they actually, when I gave the list, said some of these aren't appropriate. Not cool enough. No way. <laughs> you got, what, tell me what got bounced. Tell me what got bounced. Oh, um... Megan, um, what's a chops? Washington. It's all about that beast, about that beast. Really? Travel. Yeah, too commercial. Um, oh my, blurred this is lines. a scandal. <laughs> blurred lines, oh my god, I can't believe you even put that. God, you are such a monster. What What can make you, what can make you like that song? Well, two reasons. For any guys, oh my god. Like you <laughs> it has to be so ubiquitous. Like, I did an interview with Gautier a few years ago, and Justin, my producer, when he liked I that. saw and enjoyed that interview. I liked that song too. So. I've never heard the song ever. And Justin, my producer, went, are you joking? And I said, I don't know, what, what's this song you're talking about? I can't remember the name of it now. That very Someone funny. that I used to know. Yeah. yeah. And Justin went, something that I've never heard. <laughs> Justin said, have you been, have you left your house in the past 18 months? It is so famous. How can you not know this song? You played it to you me. You're an idiot. But anyway. somehow you've caught up with that stupid bastard with the blurred lines. I can't, that, that guy really annoys me. Well, how the creepy guy. It's a very catchy song. I think it's a very catchy yeah. room, but also... Not too catchy for his ex-wife. D- true. David Campbell <laughs> and Sonia Kruger did a funny parody of it on their show where they changed the lyrics to be, it's breakfast time, 
And so I always sing it to the boys, and so it's, you know you want it, you want your toast now, and so it's breakfast, we sort of do a little thing on it. So I know that one. I know Lord Royals, because my, one of my babies is actually with... sobbing with laughter now. You're like, there's no way, this is like when you announce that you won't ever read Dickens, like, they'll just be, they'll be, they'll just be a riot, you know? Oh, God. So I get to Double J, and then I discover... Any I other favourites? Sung by sex offenders, or, uh, you know... <laughs> or, you know, yeah. unregulated um, Islamists or anybody else is currently not the flavour of the month. So I get up to Double J with this incredibly uncool song. If you're from the Australian, stop listening now. Just stop it. <laughs> I discover, I thought they'd just ask me a few questions about songs like that. No, no, I discover I'm hosting. I'm like guest hosting this program. And so. Readyouremails.com. <laughs> to be prepared for things. So shut up. No preparation, no script, no nothing. And then what were you hosting? And so... God, has it been to air yet? No. They've oh, <laughs> just it pinned it. They've pinned it. Oh, God. They're like, look, she's a lovely lady. <laughs> she's a little unusual. She's under a lot of stress. <laughs> so we're making stuff up like, um, hi, you know, you're on Double J with Lee Sales. Probably the most uncool person to ever appear on Double J, but I'm feeling like I'm more cool because I got invited to be on here. I have to admit, though, that I wasn't one of those people that I've never listened to Triple J, never. Like, as far as I know, Mikey Robbins got his break on good music. Like, so anyway, it was just this me speaking nonsense and then throwing to. So I've picked Stevie Wonder Superstition because it strikes me as sort of cool, even though I know it doesn't really fit the demographic for this radio station. <laughs> Anyway, it was, I just sort of skulked out of there thinking, wow, you've just covered yourself and your family in shame. <laughs> I just cannot wait to listen to Perhaps it. Perhaps even the entire region of Brisbane. <laughs> You'd be just cold-shouldered when you walk around there in future. Oh, thanks a lot, Sales. <laughs> now we all look like idiots. The girl who recorded it, Dan, was like laughing, but I was thinking, are you laughing because you're laughing like at me or with me? I She's just thinking, know. I cannot wait for the Christmas party, Goof Reels, <laughs> which is the only place this, the whole thing will ever play. Look, I've got a, um, whenever I'm asked to do something like that, um, like I get asked to do that sort of stuff, <laughs> whenever I'm asked to perform at the Grammys, I always... <laughs> Anyway, I, um, uh, my kids, um, I've trained to enjoy the Lemonheads, totally fine for Triple J or Double J, and um, they like the song The Outdoor Type, um, which I always play because they just really enjoy it, and I also think I am secretly uh, training them to not love camping, so they'll never, it's it's about um, a man, like Evan Dando sings it, and it's all about him lying about, like the chorus is, I lied about being the outdoor type, you know, Um, and it's a confession about how, do you know what, I've never actually pitched a tent, I've never been outside the city limits, I've never go camping, I hate it, what if something was on TV and and it's never shown again, you know. I can't grow a beard or even fight. I lied about being the outdoor type. A great lyrics. Oh, that's great. It's really cute. Um, I'm going to send it to you so you got it in the back pocket. For, yeah. We'll put a link to it on our website, www.chatandlooks3.com. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Um, <laughs> you saying that guy's name remind, just brought, had a horrifying flashback from the Double J interview, which was one of the songs <laughs> I put up was um, a song off an album called Them Crooked Vultures, which was a super band that I only was listening to because I quite like Dave Grohl, who was in it and so in the 
in my hosting, I'm like, yeah, this is um, a song from Them Crooked Vultures. And Dave Grohl's in it. I can't remember the other two guys. They're, like, very famous. Um, oh, and my so God. I'm actually sweating. The recording here. I can let you... It's Josh Homme from <laughs> Queens of the Stone Age and John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. And so I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. Okay, so it's actually... The, oh, it was just train wreck. <laughs> train wreck. Anyway... What um, were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say that um, I was thinking about the outdoor type yesterday when I was reading um, on the Guardian website um, Bridget Delaney's um, essay about um, a five-day hike that she went on and had to be choppered out of at the oh, two-day mark. Yeah. And like, I know Bridget, and um, she's a, a, a terrific writer, um, and and she has managed to really just evoke so perfectly not only the beautiful she was at Hinchinbrook or somewhere um the beauty of this location and her desire to commune with it and have that bushwalking experience, but simultaneously the utter faff of carrying a slightly ill-fitting backpack Ooh. that weighed 40 kilos with a bladder of drinking water on top and, dis and dehydrated food, she explains at one point. And you can't even... Um, they couldn't drop any rubbish, obviously, no rubbish bins anywhere, so they'd, she was unable to finish this disgusting reconstituted rehydrated food and so they had to pack it back in her pack back and then later on was digging around for a toothbrush and put her hand into oh. a foil sachet of reconstituted oh. bangers and mash or something like just anyway I thought oh my god that's exactly what I would be like oh completely I've had one um camping experience like that one only and never to be repeated and I hated every <laughs> second of it and if you're listening Brendan I still hold that against you <laughs> Well, play them lemonheads and um, you might be able to train them out of wanting to camp. I hope so. Play the music Although, that makes them want to go and have their nails done with mum. Actually, I don't want to train them out of it. Yeah. I want them to go away for the weekend. With someone else. With their father. Yeah. And then I don't want to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> to read my books, eat my cakes and listen to daggy music. <laughs> um, now, we're over our half hour and we've done, like, we've got so uh, much left on our list. So yeah. we just have to save it for next week unless there's anything you especially want to add or talk to because Hell, it's our podcast yeah. and we can keep going. I actually wanted to just um, say a little hello. I know we don't normally do this, but um, I had a text last night um, from my friend Kerry Taylor in Melbourne with a beautiful photograph of her little girl, um, Stella, who's only a couple of weeks old. A oh. uh, lovely smile who said that um, uh, she smiled for the first time while Kerry was listening to the podcast. Aww. So there you go, bringing Hi. smiles to the newborn. Hi, Kerry and Stella, did you say? Stella. Hi, Stella. Are you smiling now? <laughs> smile. Stella. Come on, kid. Smile. We were told that you would smile. Smile. Um, okay, um, just have a quick look down the list to see if there's anything else that we sort of need to talk about because it's timely. Oh, oh, no, not really. We can put, I mean, we've both read a few books, um, she <laughs> says. We've both been really all over the reading stuff, but we can put that off yeah, till next we'll week. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs>